Welcome back to iGen Politics. This is a podcast that makes politics engaging and relevant for all generations. My name is Victor Xi. I'm currently a sophomore at UCLA, was elected as the youngest delegate for Joe Biden, and I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. And I'm Jill Wine-Banks, the author of The Watergate Girl, based on my experience as an assistant Watergate prosecutor in the trial and tapes hearing. I'm also an MSNBC legal analyst and the wearer of hashtag Jill's pins. Today's pin is a Liberty Bell, which is in honor of the Protecting Our Democracy Act, which our guest is sponsoring. And having prosecuted Richard Nixon and his top aides, uh, naming him an unindicted co-conspirator, I have long been aware of what it looks like when a president tests and stretches the powers of the executive branch well beyond the limits our constitutional framework sets, and what we and our founders expected, breaking from all historic norms. After Watergate, Congress took action. They passed a series of legislation to correct the flaws that they saw, and unfortunately, many of the most important, including the campaign finance reforms, have been undone by the Supreme Court Um, And so that's too bad. But right now I can see how very much with Donald Trump, things are even worse than they were during Watergate. And we have an extreme and unprecedented uh, episode before us. The wrongdoings by him, his children, his lawyers, his aides, his attorney general, his cabinet officers, his supporters in Congress, including ignoring all subpoenas and any oversight uh, requests, have been egregious. They have violated the Hatch Act, the Emoluments Clause. They have lied. Um, And so it's once again essential for Congress to codify the very norms that we always expected to be followed and that didn't even need uh, to be legislated. And luckily for us, we have with us a guest who has proposed legislation that would get to the norms that are no longer working and that will be codified under this bill. Congressman Adam Schiff is with us today. He is the lead sponsor for the Protecting Our Democracy Act that would do exactly that, codify norms we never expected to be ignored. This act is a sweeping package of reforms that would strengthen America's democracy institutions against future presidents, regardless of political party, who seek to abuse power for their office for uh, corrupt purposes. Congressman Adam Schiff represents California's 28th congressional district and his 11th term in the House of Representatives. Schiff currently serves as the chair of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, which oversees the nation's intelligence agencies, and was a leader of the first impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Schiff is currently on a leave of absence from the House Appropriations Committee, where he remains an ex officio member. Welcome back, Congressman, and thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you, and we're very much looking forward to talking to you about this much-needed legislation. But before we get to that, um, there's one extremely important piece of legislation that I have to ask you about because I just heard Representative Karen Bass saying that it looked like the uh, George Floyd legislation was going to have to be done by executive order. And the other thing is, of course, what's happening with the government shutdown and whether there's any way to avoid that. So at the very moment that we're talking, I know people are negotiating, so you 
can't give me a firm and final answer, but if you can, just um, tell me Republicans seem very unified. The Democrats seem to be fighting at least about the uh, budget. Um, how likely is a shutdown? Well, I think a shutdown is, is still very unlikely. Uh, and I realize that if you're betting against Congress, you would generally win. But uh, I, it would be so irresponsible to shut down the government. Uh, and I think we're going to just have to find a way to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, the Republicans are being deeply irresponsible. Uh, they helped run up, uh, you know, significant bills, and now they're not willing to pay them, which is what the debt limit is about. Uh, periodically, the government has to raise the debt ceiling to respond to debts it's already taken on. And we took on about $2 trillion uh, uh, worth of debt when the Republicans gave a $2 trillion tax cut. Um, they supported, as we did, uh, relief during the pandemic that added to our fiscal burden as well, but we need to be responsible. We need to pay it. Uh, and Republicans have traditionally voted for those increases in the debt limit when they were in the majority, and now they're abdicating that responsibility. And But but at the same time, I, I just can't imagine they would be so reckless as to lead us into a shutdown. So I think we'll get it done. Um, and on the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act, uh, it's a terrible tragedy that uh, we can't get the Republicans to support meaningful reform. Uh, and that's really the obstacle. Karen Bass has negotiated uh, in good faith and negotiated for, for weeks and months. But at the end of the day, we can't accept a, a bill that isn't meaningful, that's just uh, essentially um, superficial. And so uh, we'll need to do what we can uh, on our own, uh, and we will need to do what we can through executive order because the, the policy needs to be changed. Uh, we do need accountability, uh, and it's a shame we don't have a good partner in the GOP. Absolutely. And if last summer, a year ago, um, showed us anything, it's the need for that police reform. And I'm hoping that you're right, and let's remain positive on both of those things. So thank you for that. Let's move on to your bill on Democracy. One of the top line components of the bill include combating refusals to respond to oversight subpoenas, preventing uh, spending or secretly freezing funds, contrary to congressional investigations, barring firing uh, inspectors general or retaliating against whistleblowers and creating penalties for taking emoluments or paying prohibited um, in the Constitution while in all, including from commercial transactions. And I think there's really one overarching theme in all of the components, which is limiting executive power. Um, are there any provisions that you want to mention to our audience that we didn't mention um, that short introduction? Uh, you covered a lot of the main ones. Uh, and what happened uh, is that over the last four years, we learned that many of the guardrails of our democracy uh, were established by norm. And we thought those norms could not be violated. But it turns out you can violate them. And you can violate them with impunity uh, under one condition. And that is that one of the major parties gives itself over so completely to the president that it will allow the president to trample other institutions of government without uh, response. Uh, and so we would uh, expedite in this package, expedite the enforcement of congressional subpoenas, prevent abuse of the pardon power, uh, give an enforcement mechanism to the emoluments clause that prohibits the president from enriching themselves, protect whistleblowers, inspector generals, strengthen the independence of the Justice Department, 
Uh, it also deals with other problems that we discovered, like when somebody wins an election and the other side refuses to concede, uh, and there is a an official within the Office of Management and Budget who needs to make a, a ascertainment of the winner in order to allow the transition to go forward. It's, it's supposed to be a purely ministerial act, but there was so much pressure put on this bureaucrat that she didn't, and it held up the Biden transition. So we address that as well as other problems that we've discovered over the last four years. So President Trump has been out of over months now. Can you talk about the timing of this bill and if there's a particular reason why you're introducing the bill now? Uh, we actually introduced a very similar package last year. Uh, but while Trump was in office, uh, the Republicans were not willing to uh, support even ideas that they had supported in the past. Some of the provisions of this bill have been sponsored by Republicans in the past. Uh, but as long as Trump was in office and had the power to punish them, uh, they were too scared, too intimidated to support it. Uh, it's my hope that now that he's out of office, they'll show a little bit more courage, uh, a little bit more devotion to the Constitution. But the fear of the past president is still very powerful. Uh, he still goes after his enemies, as we see him going after people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Uh, so there's no guarantee we'll get Republican support, but uh, they may view it differently now that we have a Democrat in the White House. Uh, they may want congressional subpoenas to be enforced, and they may want to make sure that the president can't abuse the Justice Department or profit from the uh, the Oval Office. So uh, the, the, I'm hoping the calculation has changed for them, but time will tell. I, I'm glad you mentioned the additional elements that are in this bill because you know, I go back far enough that I can remember when norms were just accepted and we never thought anyone would violate them. And you mentioned emoluments, uh, which is one of the many, many things where whoever thought you would need to pass a law that said, here's how we enforce that clause. It was just assumed that people would follow it. But um, now that we know the substance of uh, this very important bill and particularly maybe even the subpoenas as um now subpoenas have been issued to four more members of the former Trump administration. Uh, and the question I get the most commonly on Twitter nowadays is, how is Congress going to enforce those subpoenas? So I'm very glad that this bill is pending, hopeful that it'll pass, but that's the question. How likely is it to pass right now? Well, we will certainly get it through the House, uh, and the plan is yeah. to take it up this fall. Uh, the question is whether we can get Republican support, which will be helpful when we get to the Senate. Uh, we are discussing strategy uh, in the Senate, uh, whether to bring it up uh, as a complete package or bring it up piecemeal. Um, I just want to get it done. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're taking it one step at a time. But you're absolutely right. There were certain things that we never expected we'd have to put into law. But uh, but if you look at just one example, you see just the shocking, the shattering of these norms. Uh, and, and it's the president, the former president, uh, Trump's promise to build a wall and to get Mexico to pay for it. And of course, that was a bogus promise to begin with. Mexico was never going to pay for it. And it's a bad idea. Uh, but nonetheless, when he failed to get Congress to go along with it, he did an end run around Congress and tried to get the military to pay for it or to pay for it out of the defense budget. Uh, and when that wasn't really successful, uh, some of his closest advisors like Steve Bannon 
set up a nonprofit to ask people to donate money to build the wall. <laughs> and then they ripped off the money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when they ripped off the money from Trump's own supporters uh, and Bannon was indicted for it, what does Donald Trump do? He pardons him. Uh, it, it's just a group of grifters. Uh, and the fact that that could take place is just a mind boggling. But clearly uh, that they could do it and do it with impunity. Uh, the, the president's cohorts could get away with this kind of criminal activity and just get pardoned for it. Uh, it, it tells us how much we need to put these norms uh, into law and give them the force and effect of law. Listening to you made me laugh as I was listening to these lists of horrible things. And I, I mean, I don't know what else to do because otherwise I'm going to cry and be depressed. Uh, it is totally like science fiction that this could be happening in America. I mean, we're talking about Republicans refusing to do anything to support the basic fundamentals of our democracy. And, I, you know, is there any chance that there'll be any breakaway Republicans that, uh, I mean, will support this? I mean, maybe Cheney and um, our own Congressman Kinzinger from Illinois. Uh, is there any hope? What, what can be done to get people to support what I would consider the very fundamentals of democracy? Well, you know, I'm encouraged that Republicans around the country are supportive, uh, but it's a sign of the times that Republicans in Washington don't support what Republicans around the country uh, advocate for when it comes to good, good government and democracy. We have now 150 organizations, good government organizations around the country who have endorsed the bill. Uh, and they span the ideological spectrum from the very liberal to the very conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I hope that that has some influence on Republicans here in Congress. Uh, you know, some have announced they're retiring rather than have to, to deal with, you know, what it's like in the GOP right now. Um, and, and they may provide some of the help uh, to get this passed. But it, it's a terrible uh, tragedy that so many of the Republican members are unwilling to do their constitutional duty, uh, will not protect their own institution, their own body where they serve, uh, because they, they're in such fear of what the president can do in terms of their future. Um, you know, I, I don't understand why people are here if they're not willing to do the right thing, uh, regardless of the cost. So... As you said, if the bill passes the House, it would proceed to the Senate, which needs at least 60 votes in order to pass. Um, that's no small feat, even for something not threatened to former President Trump. I'm, I'm wondering what you think of getting rid of the filibuster or if we should do a carve out for this particular bill and other democracy reform kind of bills. Uh, I, I'm completely supportive of doing away with the filibuster. Uh, I would rather have U.S. policy move in dramatically different directions, depending on who's in the majority, then have it not move at all, uh, then have just stagnation and gridlock. Um, the, the governing party should be given a chance to govern. And the Senate is already an anti-majoritarian institution. 23% of Americans control 60% of the votes just because of the distribution of the states. And, uh, and so it's a very strongly anti-popular will institution as it is. The filibuster just makes it more so. Um, so I think it ought to be done away with. Um, but I certainly think in the case of voting rights and pro-democracy reforms, there ought to be carve-outs. Um, but if I were going to prioritize among the carve-outs, I would put H.R. 1 first, because voting is foundational uh, to our democracy. 
and if you don't have that foundation, then nothing that it rests upon is going to stand. In favor of getting rid of the filibuster that I have heard, you phrased it beautifully, and I really hope that it comes to pass because I agree with you, gridlock is worse than having swings based on who wins the election. And so thank you very much for that. We are very grateful for your time. And um, we have a lot more questions. So if you have time, we'll keep going. If not, we will have you back again so that we can ask more questions about pending legislation and climate change and immigration and DACA and infrastructure, whether even that can pass with uh, progressives and moderates fighting. Uh, you know, uh, you'll have to have me back. Unfortunately, okay. I hear the, the, the votes uh, buzzing, uh, but uh, great pleasure to be with you again and look forward to our, our next uh, opportunity. Thank you so much, Congressman so We are grateful to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Victor, I absolutely loved our conversation with Congressman Schiff and particularly his very succinct and clear statement about the filibuster and why the tyranny of the minority that it enables is not worth continuing it. So that was good news. But even better news is that after a year of being in college online from your bedroom in Illinois, you are now actually on campus at UCLA. And yesterday was the start of classes. So you're now having your very first in-person classes and meeting your classmates. And I want to relive my college days by listening to you describe what it's been like to be in college. It's been uh, such a thrill. It's been long overdue, but every single person I've talked to on campus, there's like one unifying theme that unites all of us. And it's like, we all missed just the first year of college and yeah. it's so great to be back. And so um, we, we've had our kind of welcome week. This is what they consider week zero, which is like the week before classes start. Um, and it's just primarily people meeting each other, meeting new people, um, connecting with old friends, meeting new ones, um, looking at campus, going beyond campus, exploring the Westwood Village. But it's been such a refreshing and amazing experience, especially after um, a year of online learning. And I think today is my first day as we're recording. It's on Friday. Today is my first day of cl real classes. So we'll see how this big lecture goes, but it'll definitely be a little bit strange, but exciting to yeah. be back in a classroom. And um, I'm just hoping to kind of, it's a big auditorium. So I'm hoping to meet people in front of me, behind me, to the side of me. And so i um, really looking forward to this college experience. But um, I don't know, for our, for our audience out there, I know we have some college students, high school students, maybe some people who are thinking about going to college. Um, Jill, I'm wondering if you have any advice for them as they approach college, if they're a freshman or I guess sophomore like me who hasn't experienced college their first year, what would you say to them um, after experiencing college yourself? Well, I'm not letting you get away with not <laughs> answering more questions. So I'm, I'll answer your question, okay. but then I have many more for you. Um, I mean, College is the best learning and growth experience that you can ever have. It's exponential compared to any other time in your life. Um, for many people, it's your first time really away from home and on your own and living independently. And as you said, meeting people from way outside your own neighborhood and your own experiences. And 
Um, I think it's just an exciting, wonderful opportunity. I loved being a liberal arts student in my first two years and just being able to explore Russian literature and French language and whatever I felt like before um, going into the Jern School in my junior year and really, you know, focusing on my major. So enjoy all the classes. Enjoy the new friends. They will be your lifetime friends. I still see my college friends. And uh, I graduated college in 1968. So I still want to relive my experiences with you and, um, you know, talk to you more about the classes that you will be taking and uh, how you feel about the new people you've met. Uh, Tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, so I'm currently majoring in um, American literature and culture, which is kind of a section of the English department. But so I'm taking two English classes, one on American culture and literature, and then the other um, is just a general education requirement. And then the other one is a um, poli-sci class, which is, uh, they call it politics and strategy. I have um, received emails from all of the professors, so it feels like it's official. I've received the syllabus, um, which I know is really important. It lays out all of the assignments that's due. Um, And in terms of just the people I've met so far, it's like, it's just extraordinary to meet people from all across really the world. I met someone from Lebanon and we were talking, we were talking about their food and culture. And it's just like, you don't get to go to Lebanon or go to these countries, but it's cool to meet someone from those different places and be able to see things from their perspective and, and understand how they live and see the world. And I think that's what makes meeting new people so thrilling and such a great experience. And, um, Definitely one of the highlights so far before classes have started, just meeting people yeah. across the world and getting to learn more about how they view and see the world. The international students at Illinois, um, when I was there, were really a way to open the world to me because back then, honestly, world travel wasn't what it is now. And so uh, I didn't go to Europe until I was between my junior and senior year. Uh, as my first trip. And that was a big deal. But I was prepared because I had met people from all around the world. Um, so that's, it's great that you're meeting people. And I, I know you're going to enjoy your classes. Uh, and you'll have some memorable professors. It'll be interesting. Have you met any of the professors you had online yet? So I'm actually meeting with them next week. I emailed two of them. I, I wasn't able to form any meaningful relationship, but I thought I'd reach out and just say, like, it'd be nice to see you in person, finally, and yeah. not, on, not on Zoom. But I'm excited to meet them and hopefully meet more professors, more students, um, just everyone on campus. Great. And during your introduction week, did you get to look at various activities on campus? Sometimes that's part of what they do in orientation week. And have you signed up for some activities? I bet you have. So there is uh, there was this thing called the Enormous Activities Fair. So it was all of the clubs mm. basically just gather on what we call like the Jan Steps. So it's like a big lawn and so everyone can go there. It's kind of like science fair, but like all the clubs line up and, and <laughs> propose their – they have like cardboard cutouts and it's, it's very science fair-like. But um, I, So I am interested in a few clubs, student government, one of them, the, the journalism club, which is called – um, our student newspaper, the Daily Bruin, and then a few other maybe just cultural clubs. But it was really overwhelming. Like I, I was like, I want to join this club and that club, but I, I won't have time. So I'm going to narrow it down. But I have I've about four or five in the in the in the mix. 
Well, we know that you've had some op-eds published and um, wrote an article for the Better Government Association. So maybe the Journalism Club is a good place or the yes, student newspaper. Yes. Um, I, I was on the Daily Illini and got great experience doing that. Um, that has helped me in my legal career as well as my current more journalistic career. So good luck to you. And obviously, we, for those listeners who don't know, Victor and I talk not just about the show. We frequently chat. So I know you'll keep me informed on your teachers and your roommates and new friends and um, enjoy. And if you are a college student, you should uh, let us know how your experience has been so far too. I know all across the nation, last year, some schools were in person, some schools weren't. So this is definitely a time for us all to be back on campus and, and enjoy. I think what college has to offer and what Jill said um, is really a transformational and, and amazing opportunity. And let us know what your campus is doing about COVID how they're dealing with it. Are they requiring that you be vaccinated? Are you required to, and, and Victor, you too, are you required in lecture halls to be masked? Yes, fully masked. Um, we, we had to do, we aren't doing weekly testing, which um, I'm not so sure about, uh, but we, we did do two tests at the beginning of the week and then we were required to get vaccinated. So we have those measures in place, but yeah. I know there can probably be more done, but masks are, I think right now, um, an important tool for wherever we are outside, inside. Excellent. As I said, have a great first week. Thank you. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of IGEM Politics with Congressman Schiff as much as Jill and I did. And we will see you next week. But in the meantime, feel free to um, follow us wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.